Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Alchemy. Jean and I are actually sitting at my table in my apartment this evening. Um, a cold evening in November. So thank you for joining me as usual. It is such an absolute pleasure to be here. And it's so fun to be able to see your smile in person. Um, the, the unique moments that we have have had together are always super special and I think to do this particular episode together is really important. I agree, I agree. So actually what is today's episode? Well the topic for today is self-care and so self-care fits within one of our themes, uh, this one being intention and fulfillment and we'll get more into that later but self-care, what is it? How did it originate? Well Actually, as you may know, in the beginning, it really was more of a medical concept for doctors to get patients to take care of themselves between appointments, and that's really what it means, self-care, taking care of yourself. And then moving forward in the women's and civil rights movements around the 1960s, they started appropriating self-care as more of a political stance against traditional patriarchal medicine. Nowadays, it's not uncommon to talk about self-care. The term has become mainstream in popular culture, even. Um, self-care ties into all different kinds of roles we play and expectations people have for us, whether they be self-imposed, societal, or uh, even arising from a family situation. And while Jean and I have our own we know that there are many, many, many different perspectives on this topic and that everyone practices and views self-care in a different way. Um, talking about different roles, moms uh, are often expected to put their family above themselves. Dads are often expected to be the breadwinners with financial responsibilities distracting him from the actual self-care that he may need. And children um, sometimes may feel guilty asking for help, especially living with working parents or a single parent. So these different roles come with a certain expectation of having to care for others before ourselves. But an important thing to remember is that we can't care for others unless our own selves aren't cared for. And that's what self-care really is and, and is in this, in this new day and age is, is how we talk about self-care. You know, and I think looking at this from my own perspective as during the time right after Angus passed away, that the, the automatic response people were expecting from me was, was, well, in a way they were expecting me to absolutely fall apart, but maybe it was my own inner like okay what's the expectation here I'm I'm the one that's got to have the stiff upper lip I've got to be the anchor while everything falls apart around me because if I'm not who will be right right because I was I was obsessed with something has to be solid right now because the world is falling apart exactly. and when 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 I was in the midst of doing this I actually requested a book, uh, the, the priest who officiated the funeral mass in St. Louis for us uh, had said, contact him if I needed anything. Man, I have the guy on the phone and I'm going, do you have a book on how to counsel people on grief? Because I've got all these people coming to me falling apart right. and I, I am not a, 
a counselor. I mean, I'm a mom, I'm a teacher, I'm a professor, I'm a scientist, I'm a lot of things, but I'm not, that's, that's not my official formal background. So I was, I was grabbing for anything I could find, but I was exhausted. And, and I believe even though I had a whole lot of information in my toolbox to work with, I was, I was really needing to have a moment where I could just go fall apart. Everybody else got to, but I felt like I wasn't allowed. But I think in many ways it was in my own mind. Mm-hmm. And, and I know one of the very first blogs that we had written for our website for the Stardust Startup Factory touched on on self-care. And, and it was written by my sister, who's a registered nurse. And her point was that in the midst of all of these healthcare professions, one of the things that's truly a struggle for people to, to find time to do is the self-care. Mm-hmm. And, and to her point, self-care is not about being indulgent. Self-care is not about uh, being greedy and taking something that you don't deserve. And, and you really ought not to feel guilty when you're trying to take care of yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, especially in these healthcare professions, it's difficult to be taking care of other people. Yeah, I, I remember reading that and, and just, yeah, that was also probably one of the first times that I, I heard about self-care and especially coming from someone that was older than me because I felt like it was a lot of, talked about a lot in my generation and then I obviously I, I understand that everyone needs it no matter what your age um, no matter your career no matter whatever you're doing um, and I think self-care isn't selfish care like you said we shouldn't feel self-indulgent when we take care of ourselves just like we shouldn't feel guilty about going through grief and healing ourselves I mean it's the same thing healing your internal wounds um, is just as important as your external wounds, except this time you're not going to the doctors, right? You're helping your mind and your spirit get better. You're taking time for yourself. You're taking time to get to know yourself. Self-care isn't narcissistic. It's, yeah, like we were saying, it's the only way we can start taking care of others. And I, I think that there there's a wonderful continuum, if you think about it, from being self-centered to being self-sacrificing and and the key is to find that balance point mm-hmm. you know where where is the the magic moment of that balance where you're you're aware you're being with your needs you're taking care of yourself as you need to and you're still caring for the needs of others when when you're expected to when they when they're dependent you're, you're not walking away from anything, but you're you're making sure that nothing is out of balance. Yeah, I feel like often we feel like we need to be either one extreme or the other. Mm-hmm. That if we're not, you know, I don't want to be self-centered, uh, so I've got to just put everything, you know, put my, my whole being into, into self-sacrifice, which is just like everything else. We well, need to it, find balance. Yeah, and it's kind of destructive. I mean, think about it when, let, let's put this in the context of something totally different. You know, think about yourself on an airplane, mm-hmm. and you're getting ready to take a trip, and the stewardess is giving everyone the the safety talk that nobody hardly listens to, <laughs> right? But the, the the thing that does catch people's attention is when they demonstrate the oxygen mask falling, 
And they go, in the event of a change in cabin pressure, this will deploy. You know, put your own mask first before helping others. I, I mean, have you really thought about that? Why are they telling you to do this? Yeah, that's so funny that you mentioned that. As a kid, I never understood that because I had always been told to help others before myself. Um, and I, it still kind of hurts me to know that I should probably put my own on first. Well, but I mean, if you, your brain needs oxygen, right? And if the cabin pressure's changed, if something is going really wrong on the flight, yeah. And, and everybody is going to be expected to do the best they can in an emergency situation. My gosh, you need to be thinking clearly. Yeah. And, and if you're someone who's trying to help others, that means somehow or another they're not able to. Or either they're old or young or, you know, there's, there's some reason that they need assistance. Well, you've got, to, you've got to have the mental clarity to take care of everybody. So it makes sense when you stop to think about, why are they asking me to do this? Because they want you to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a good metaphor. Yeah. Well, it's a. I think sometimes in the midst of all of this, we we need to be mindfully going. Now, why do I need to do this? Is it is it what's good for me, or or is it harmful? Because I think in a way you can be confusing things and getting into harm's way too if you're not mindfully aware. Yeah, especially now in the coming holidays. So we're recording this November 30th. And man, Black Friday came and went, Thanksgiving same, and Christmas is right around the corner. I think these this is a great time to just really, really try and be mindful of self-care um, because a lot of times we tend to forget it, um, trying to buying presents for everyone else, right? All the, the lights, the music, the decorations, the advertisement, every, all of that can give you anxiety. You know, going to having to go shopping, getting the best deals, and then uh, maybe going shopping might make you feel better, but in the long run, you're going to get that credit card bill <laughs> and you feel even worse. Yeah, yeah. and I, I do think that there, during that holiday period, there are a lot of societal demands that... Uh, you know, your friends and your family are coming together, and I do this. I'm thinking, oh, my God, what will they think? What If they come over and I haven't gotten the dust off of the baseboards, is anybody really going to care or notice? You know, and, and truth of the matter is, I think that a lot of times during this period when you're feeling judged and watched and everything, and you're, you're considering self-care, not your baseboards, um, some of the things like the expectation to sit and eat, maybe when you just really... You're not feeling like that's what you want to do, or going out drinking, or or you don't even have to go out. You're just at a function. You're at a family gathering just or something. Handed wine and, just, and champagne. Yep, and, just... and everybody is just you know you're you're feeling a lot of that pressure to conform because you're ex- you're thinking people are expecting me to be doing this. But you know, I I honestly believe truth of the matter is most people are not even paying attention. Like if you if you had a a glass in your hand because they don't want to feel like you're missing out on anything. Right. And if you had a glass in your hand, you could go in the kitchen, dump out the wine or whatever, fill it with water and walk around drinking it. And nobody is tracking you, man. You know? (laughs) Yeah. So it it is emotionally, I think there are a lot of demands on us. And because we're trying to conform, we're trying to feel good. But I think that we also 
get a little bit wrapped up in how we're expected to be feeling about our grief and our loss and our our understanding of that movement to something more purposeful and meaningful because my gosh this time of year is full of a hundred thousand triggers that can make it a little bit challenging to make the right decision for self-care and to to really do what's best for you and sometimes you're the only one who knows yeah you are and and because all of us have different ways of practicing self-care it's not about what someone says on tv or instagram saying you need this for self-care you need this to feel better you need a massage you need a cocktail on the beach you need all this kind of luxury items it's not the ads that show you which type of food you should be eating or what kind of fitness routine you should have to feel the best it's it's really about what's finding uh what's authentically you yeah and i think sometimes the recommendations when you're putting self-care in the context of grief uh, they're they're beyond just existing it's it's like what are you what are you doing as you're living how are you taking care of yourself in your day-to-day moments are you are you taking that moment to try to figure out why is something frustrating you mm-hmm. and really and are I'm late I'm gonna I'm, I'm behind on everything well who's imposing these deadlines who's imposing this sense of where you need to be what you need to have done and oftentimes it's just you yeah and I think what you said about going from existing to living is really important because once you start practicing little things of self-care, like maybe it's taking a walk once a day or maybe it's, yeah, just doing those little things, that little activities, then, or maybe taking a class and where you're going to meet people or, and stuff like that. And it really doesn't have to be that. It's, it's about you, but those kinds of things can help you when you're in the midst of grief or trying to get out of that can help you from going to just existing this dull life where you're just thinking about your loss constantly to actually living to actually hey uh wait I took a walk today I actually lived today I did something and that can really make you feel better and make and help you find purpose and meaning after a loss it really can and and having that sense of self-worth again because even though you're grieving because someone else has passed away you feel like you can't go on. You feel that there's this there's this hurt in your heart that makes it almost impossible to move forward. Now, you know what? As we're talking about this, as we're like moving from existing to living, and, and we think back about that wonderful journey from seedling, you know, seed to, to sprout. sprout, and then all the way up to start us to start, you know, that those transformations aren't always in a, in a, on a trajectory that doesn't repeat itself because right. sometimes you could feel really, really awesome about, I've got it together. I know what's going on. And then really unexpectedly, you're very vulnerable again. Mm-hmm. But I believe that every time you raise your awareness about that, it's important, yeah. you know? And so, so what you do for self-care is a very individual Assessment. You know, we, we can sit here and we can tell you some of the things that we enjoy doing, and I think that that's what we're going to work toward. But that you've got to be finding this for yourself. But to give you some things to consider, I'll start with this. And, and part of it is watch your pace. 
Yeah. You know, sometimes I know that I flit around like a hummingbird. And a lot of times people go, slow down. Well, that just does nothing but annoy me in the worst way because I'm moving at my comfort level. Like if you looked at a hummingbird and went slow down, it would fall out of the sky. Yeah. They don't slow down. That's the way they move. But they don't really fly across the continent at that speed. You no, know, they kind they're, of they're, hover. They're, they're hovering, and yeah. they move from here to there, and sometimes they're sitting on a branch, but they're not just always moving. So even I need to go, you know what, it's the intensity and duration of what you're up to that's important. You don't sprint a marathon. Yeah. You, you just don't. Yeah. But you've got to find the, the pace that works for you. So as you're doing whatever you're up to, watch your pace. Be mindful of it. And adjust accordingly. Like sometimes just walk. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say one of my recommendations would be knowing your limits, knowing how much you want to share with others about your story, about what you've been through, about your experience, about your pain. Trust yourself to know when to pour out your emotions because that's important and when to keep them safe within yourself, right? You're not bottling anything up. You're just keeping it safe for a time because you don't trust the environment that you're in, the people you're with, or you don't trust that you will not completely break down and you really don't want to break down in this moment. So keeping that safe and then pouring it out when you know that you want to. I think that's that can also definitely be considered self-care. You know, and, and just thinking about the drinking again yeah. right now, and I don't know why that came to mind, but so often you you're having these like emotional waves crashing around you and then alcohol added to that really makes you feel even less secure and certain of yourself and trusting of what you're going to do and how you're going to respond in a certain circumstance yeah it's super destabilizing Mm -hmm. yeah i mean physically and mentally so here's a word from my friend owen chen on his favorite way of practicing self-care. Owen is originally from Vancouver, Canada, and I interviewed him while we were catching up in a little cafe in Montreal. So I work in a lab. I'm in research, I'm a master's student, and I work in cancer research, and we have very, very busy lives. It's a lot of work, um, especially for science, because it's not a regular nine to five. Uh, job. You sometimes you have to go in at odd hours. Um, sometimes you have to work in weekends. So it's a very, it's it can be very isolating sometimes, and it could be very very um, overwhelming, um, and it can affect your mental health and everything. So what I like to do to de-stress from all of this is I go swimming regularly. Um, I'm part of the McGill Masters Swim Club, and I like to start my day or every other day with swimming and it's just a way to clear my mind of what went on during the in the lab and you know if I've gone through any failures or um, if I have had any difficulties in the lab I could just forget about it and I could just focus on my energy and, and improving my swimming and and it's great because at the end of every practice in the morning I feel very refreshed I feel very ready to start my day Um, or to restart my day if I didn't have a very successful day the day before. Well, another way that I enjoy my self-care routine is keeping calm. 
Now, again, I move like a hummingbird, and a lot of times the people who know me think that being calm is the furthest thing from what I am all about. But it's even though I might be moving like a blur, if my core feels at peace, if I if I'm I'm busy, I'm doing whatever I'm doing, but I I've got that sense of calm. It's that's really important. So I think stopping to check in with yourself periodically to go, all right, where am I? What's up? That's really important. One of the interviews that I gave when I was considering self-care and, and trying to get input from other people came from our neighbor Jenna Miller in Moorhead City, North Carolina. And as a 20-something, I thought it would be interesting to hear her perspective compared to mine. Self-care, I would say I go get a pedicure and a manicure and I just relax and just try not to think about all the other busy things in life. Jenna's boyfriend, Joel, came along with her when we were going to have the talk, so I interviewed him too because I think sometimes a male-female side of things can be slightly different. The key for me has been routine, having a daily, especially morning routine. If I don't wake up about the same time, start the day off on hands and knees praying and then, you know, redoing my readings in the morning and then, you know, starting the day with your, you know, your hygiene stuff. If I don't do that, that reading and that just meditation time in the morning, the whole day is off. Self-care sometimes can be just in the most basic things that we do every day, right? Like eating and drinking well, um, drinking water, obviously staying hydrated and eating well. And, and of course that depends on everyone's diets, right? I'm not gonna sit here and talk about what you should and shouldn't eat but what your, your body knows what you should and shouldn't be eating. And doing that in moderation um, is always, always a, a great form of self-care because it'll give you the energy that you need to be able to then go and take walks and then go and do physical activity and, and your brain will be working better and you'll just feel more clear-minded. So eating well. Yeah, and I think you feel healthy and vivacious. And when you're in that kind of a space, it gives you that the umph that you need, as well as the the perspective to draw on when you're trying to figure out how wonderful life can be. Because I I think that being grateful, being grateful for the food you have, being grateful for the opportunity to sit down at a table with friends and family during this holiday kind of time when it can get so crazy. Oh, yeah. That we just sometime need to realize that our our attitude of gratitude, but but as more than that, our, our general outlook on life. Like how many times do you get ready to go to a family function and you've you've already set up how horrid it's gonna be? All right, you go, oh, my God, I cannot believe we really have to do that right now. But get in the car. We're going to be adults, and we're going to go. Yeah. Right? Or even All sometimes, the time. Sometimes even just the planning of that kind of thing can push you over the edge. Yeah, and, and, and social things, too. If you don't feel, like, super close with the people that you're going to see at this party or this event, and you're like, oh, God, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that the being aware of your outlook... If you stop to think instead of, oh, God, what am I getting myself into? You go, I bet I could meet some very fascinating people, and this is going to be a fun evening. That would be, that would be great. Yeah. 
One of the people I'm super grateful to have in my world is Ted Cope, one of the board of directors of the Stardust Startup Factory. And I had the opportunity to speak with him briefly in Arlington, Virginia, about his program for self-care. What does it mean to him? For self-care, well, I've got the luxury of controlling my time, which that in itself is it takes care of a lot of things that uh, I've signed up for deadlines as part of my graduate school but how I how I use my time to meet those I've got pretty much total control so I do the things that I've always sort of enjoyed doing I either uh, just when I have to take a break I, I love listening to, to music you know music that I listened to 50 years ago whatever that takes me to a good place um, I, I read a ton of books that <laughs> it's amazing how hard it is to read a textbook but but the minute you put that down it's like but I can read these other three things or whatever and my brain works perfectly fine you know so um, for me the self-care is being able to just follow the the path of my my interests I mean I, I've always been into like running and being physical whatever so uh, I don't get out to go to the gym, but I live in a building that's got 20 floors of steps, so I take 30 minutes and run up and down, you know, four times, whatever, and that charges my battery. And sometimes I just go get like a bowl of ramen or some, just to, to hang out with people so I don't become like Rapunzel locked in my own little castle of thoughts in my place that I force myself just to get out and interact with other human beings and have a conversation. So. Another thing for self-care that's really important to me, especially and to a lot of young people, I think, is to just unplug. Stopping the pressure and noise, that constant, constant stream feed from your Facebook or your Instagram or your Twitter or whatever you're using. Beginning your day rather than for other people, for you. Putting that down, okay, you've set the alarm, but you've turned off the alarm now. And just don't look at it and just getting up and, like, doing stuff immediately. It's hard to sometimes think about actually doing that, but I think once you start, it um, it actually just feels much better. And then if, if not in the morning, just during the day, like, when you feel bored or something, not wanting to constantly scroll all the time is actually can really help you just be more caring for yourself I think um, and instead of that doing other kinds of activities that will actually stimulate your 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 brain and your mind and your spirit in a, a more positive way for yourself I I, uh, I think one one of my favorite stories about Jim my husband on the metro in DC is when people would sit with him or sit next to him when they were going into the district to work yeah and somebody would sit next to him and he would make a point to go hello good morning <laughs> and and people would be shocked and one time this woman looked at him and said you must be a tourist <laughs> you know and it's like and he would time how long people could not be holding on to their phone you know but the, but you know you mentioned yeah. young people but i think it's it's just really everybody feels like they have to stay connected yeah. well you can stay connected i don't see you that much but i feel like i'm connected to you all the time you know and that you just you build relationships by being with people and maybe part of being unplugged is just stopping to say hi to somebody you know? yeah it could be it and could, that can make you really feel much better about yourself too and, and make someone else's day 
Always. I mean, how? Are, when are you ever not happy to have someone say hello to you? Right. Like, it's always good. <laughs> yeah. Now, my favorite thing, so speaking about this, being outside, you know, you're unplugged. So, so be unplugged and go on a walk. Stop and look up at the clouds and try to find pictures in the clouds or, or just take a, take a look at the leaves and the way that the sun's on them. And right now they're all brown and falling and they're on the ground and they're (laughs) crunched, but, but they're still there and they're still, and you know, sometimes those leaves that have fallen, they'll leave imprints on the sidewalk. Oh yeah. And that's just, that's so fun to look at, you know, are you, if you're not in the midst of spring and summer, where do you find pleasure in just looking at the dirty snow, you know, and just looking at the different ways that it melts and clumps and, you know, have a moment where you stop and realize what's going on around you. Yeah, and it's the it's the little things. It's, it's the little details that, like, can actually make you really happy when you look at them. Yeah, are, are fascinated at the way nature just exists. It's, it's amazing. And I got a hold of one of my best friends for decades, Sheila Henriksen in Lakewood, Colorado, to talk with us about what is what is this thing that she does called forest bathing? Because that's really a big part of getting your vitamin in or that nature vitamin. The forest bathing that you introduced us to when we were in Colorado. What are some of the bits of information you can share with us? Because I didn't keep the book. I bought you a copy of the book. and then Oh, I was... <laughs> yeah. I yeah. have it right by my bedside. <laughs> you were saying that it's, um, it's got some Japanese origin, but can you give us a little bit more about that and how you're working with forest bathing when you stop to think about it as part of self-care? Well, um, I think self-care is a really good um, term to use. It truly describes what it is. The little bit I know, and I'm not an expert or anything, I was just so captured by the phrase, I just loved it. But what I learned was it did originate, it's kind of a Japanese thing, though it's not old, it came about, came into use in the early 1980s in an attempt to get people who were a part of very um, densely populated urban areas in Japan, such as Tokyo, to get them out into green space. And it tapped into much more ancient um, uh, traditions that where people would kind of commune with nature and say that, and say that they derived great physical and mental and emotional benefits from that. So it's not as though the idea just occurred to somebody in the 1980s. It just sort of came together with the idea of getting people out of the big city into some kind of green space to promote healthier lifestyles. So that's what I understand is the origin of the term forest bathing or what the Japanese term closely translates into English as forest bathing. But for me, I just love the term because it immediately, um, it just fits. It, it fits what it feels like, that idea or that sensation, not just an idea, it's a sensation of being completely immersed in something. And not just that you fell into it, that you deliberately 
and willingly and intentionally go out and walk within a forested kind of setting. And those were the, I mean, I, I could relate to it immediately. So I thought, oh, I do this all the time. I just uh, walk and all of a sudden I just feel like I've had a bath, you know, like I've <laughs> done some kind of luxurious self-care type of thing. You know, it's a very sensory um, experience. So anyway, that's, other than that, I don't really know anything about it. Um, so I've adapted the idea to what suits me. So another big thing that a lot of people talk about with self-care is meditation. So meditation is something that, Jean, you practice a lot every day, and your husband as well. And it's sometimes easier said than done. I have tried quite a few times and have sometimes succeeded, sometimes just given up on it. But I, I don't ever feel bad after, after I do it. I always, feel, I always feel more centered and more myself. And I get to know myself better because I'm listening to myself. I'm taking the time to just stop and listen to my body and how I feel and my emotions, but in a calm way, in a very, very calm way. So if you want to, we've, we've talked a lot, a, a quite a bit about meditation, and um, if you want to look in the more of the mindfulness and metacognition lessons in our member area, you are welcome to. So Jean's husband, Jim, is going to talk a little bit about his practices with self-care. Well, I do emotional and spiritual and physical self-care. And for my spiritual self-care, I meditate in the morning religiously. That's probably the only thing I do religiously. I spiritually get myself ready for work by listening to uh, tapes on, in the car radio. And I go to the gym three times a week and I uh, watch my meal, what I eat. I try to eat uh, the bare minimum of calories and I try to eat the most reasonable good food that I can afford. And hopefully I got it covered. So far, so good. I'm almost 69, over and out. <laughs> All right, thank you. So the last topic that I'm going to raise to consider is the importance of smiling. Now, I know sometimes I can be so hokey. Are you see, you know, there was a point in time when everybody was putting smiling faces on everything before emojis. You know, we had little stickers or people would draw oh, like really? a little smiley face. Oh, God, yeah. And... It was, it was always so annoying when you weren't in a smiley spot for somebody to go, remember to smile, yeah. and you're going, like, I think I want to punch you. I don't want to smile right now. But there, it's, it's amazing because I think oftentimes we think of when you're feeling good, you'll smile. But a lot of the research that's out there now, and I read this report in Psychology Today, and, and we're going to put the link to the blog up in our Spiritual Alchemy members area for some content. <laughs> it's Truth of the matter is, if you make yourself smile, you will start to feel better. So it's it's not just one thing causing the other. It's like they they both are are cause and effect. Yeah, and I think that the, the important thing to remember with smiling is that you 
you don't like with self-care especially is that you don't have to do it with other people around like just smiling for yourself and by yourself is just is so beneficial oh my gosh sometimes when I'm writing emails to people and I miss them or I'm, I'm sending a chat or something like that or I'm yeah. sending a picture and I'm laughing or smiling while I write it I'm like oh they're gonna love this <laughs> you know here's another picture um and and I I do believe that all of this is tied to your outlook it's tied to the that that understanding that it's okay to be compassionate with yourself. You know, we're talking about caring. It's like stop and look at yourself and go, you know, you're not such a bad gal after all, you know, and, and, and let yourself smile at you. Yeah. You know? And well, two people who make me smile all the time have given us a little bit of insight as to how they think about and work with self-care. And John and Carson Berry had the opportunity to talk with me while I was in Arlington on my way to Montreal. And I, I'm happy to have their insight add to the collection. I'd say especially what you can do for yourself is uh, try to smile once a day, at least. I mean, it releases so many good chemicals in your brain just from a real smile. And that's, that's a perfect way to start your day, a cup of coffee and a smile. It sounds so ridiculous and cliche, but I mean that smile and laughter are two of the most conducive things to happiness and, and personal health and mental health. And I mean, if you can smile and laugh and cause somebody else to smile and laugh, I think that helps to not only spread your well-being to others, but it helps kind of pick people up, you know, from wherever they might be. And I, I think that's always a, a great way to start a joke, a smile, a, a little bit of laughter. I think that that can, uh, kind of set a chain reaction off for so many people and like people who have infectious laughs cause more people to laugh and join in and that spreads happiness even farther throughout no matter what setting a room whether it's a bar whether you're at work I mean it always kind of picks up I know when I hear somebody laugh that you know I might not even know what they're laughing at but sometimes somebody's laugh just makes you inherently want to laugh just because it feels good to laugh I would say I would say if if I'm if I'm particularly needing to uh, give myself a boost, I probably would do one or two things. Um, the first one is easy and it's uh, silly, but a, a, a time-honored thing is I will I will call my mom. Really? Oh. And just whatever. She's always been so non judgmental and a good listener and she has no problem telling me the way things really are and if I'm if I'm feeling in a different way where I, I really need to uh, get with myself better or kind of achieve some clarity I'm sure you know this but I will go down to the river and uh, I find I find <laughs> that that cures almost everything for me putting a couple of miles on the boots to go somewhere where you know you're not going to see anybody else and oddly even though you, you can maybe hear the highway or see planes flying over uh, it's something that has always since I can remember since I was 12 given me uh, uh, just a, a good feeling and kind of uh, a rejuvenating thing uh, I just love to go down to the river of course catching a fish and uh, Certainly doesn't uh, hurt. You know, <laughs> taking a little picture of it and letting it go. 
is uh, sometimes part of the plan, but just the scenery and, and, and to uh, lean up against a rock after a, a long walk through like the jungle to get to these secret spots. Uh, there's some satisfaction knowing that uh, that's your, that's your part of the universe and you can be, you can kind of get with your own brain, even again, hearing some sounds of the city or airplanes, you can, you can kind of uh, dial things down where there's uh, nothing, nothing in the way but the kind of the, the wash of the river, so. Well, in conclusion, I believe that this particular episode, as we're getting into a holiday mindset, has some real relevance that outside of this time of the year, it's equally relevant also. It's more in our face this time of year. It's mm-hmm. on our mind. Yeah. And I believe that coming full circle, taking this back to that journey from grief to purpose, that finding meaning, self-care is like putting your oxygen mask on first. When you're taking care of yourself, you're doing what you need to do to be able to have the energy, have the outlook, get to that spot of purpose and meaning with resolve. And so as you enjoy this, stop and be mindful of your moment. Stop and consider where you are along that journey. And that sometimes when you do feel very resilient, when you feel like you've found it, the next day you could feel very much like you don't even, your, your wings aren't dry yet from coming out of your cocoon. Um, it, it's, but it is, it's a progression. And I don't know if you're ever finished. Yeah, and self-care is every day. Self-care is every day. So where wherever you are on that journey, self-care is every day. Although the other day when we were at the spa in Montreal, it was really, <laughs> really a self-care moment. So that was quite fun. But but you don't have to spend money. No. You could spend money. But most of this is mindset. Mm-hmm. Truly. It's delightful to be here with you. Thank you so much for coming over and being with me for these few days and brightening my days and treating ourselves to self-care with each other because it's always fun with a friend as well. We will talk to you in our next episode. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. Because I'm free.